Uh, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, good luck, members. Congratulations on joining the Age of Aquarius and Transparency. I just by October 3rd, 2016, that should broadcast its meetings on SFGUT TV. Today is your inaugural appearance on SFGUT. So many thanks for joining the Age of Transparency in your oversight of 3.6 billion in general obligation bonds approved by voters. Recently, the Board of Trustees, Commissioners of the San Francisco Employees Retirement System discussed their public comment policies and during that discussion wrongly asserted that city employees who retire only come to the retirement board meetings for an opportunity to get on SFWTV, which of course is complete nonsense. Beneficiaries of the retirement system don't give a rat's patootie about getting on TV, but we do care about oversight of our pension trust fund. We also care about oversight on that 3.6 billion in odd funds. GoBot will ultimately find that members of the public who attend your meetings come here to voice concern over bond fund expenditures, not opportunities to get on TV. So many thanks that you are finally taking this important step forward. Thank you. <coughs> Any other public comment? Seeing none. Item three, election of chair and vice chair. And we're going to defer that item because we had an email message from Alex Tollison that he will be late coming to the meeting and asked if we could wait until they arrived at that election and check in with the city attorney among others. He represented the city attorney department, among others, and found that we could, in fact, delay that. And so we shall. Item four, approval with possible modification of the minutes of the May 25th, 2017, and June 14, 27 meetings. And I'd like to note that on the May 25th agenda, I mean, meeting minutes, there is a correction of a date under the uh, whistleblower presentation. And Kristen Chu is now at present. Mr. Chair, I would um, like to call your attention to page three of the draft minutes. Um, in line two, the reference to and fiscal year 2017 to 2018, that should be deleted because the team only presented initiatives for fiscal year 2016 to 2017. Sounds good to me. Any other, any other changes or suggestions? I, I just had one question as I read through the June 14th. Uh, minutes on page 2 under uh, open item number 3, that last paragraph. A committee member asked for the addition of another item, a customer service evaluation. 
look at annual reports from departments, the diversity of appointments to various committees, so on. So I couldn't remember what that was. I apologize for that. Uh, and it says the controller was going to scope out and possibly report at today's meeting. So if that's going to happen, then I, I can wait till that. But I wasn't real sure what that item was about. Somebody refresh me. Oh. Mr. Bush, I think you may have made that request for comment. I'm sorry. I read the line. I read the Can you repeat the question? Yeah, uh, there's an item uh, on the minutes of uh, June 14th under uh, open item number three. There was, was a paragraph, and I can read the paragraph again. The, the committee member asked for the addition of another item, the customer service evaluation that would look at annual reports from the department, the diversity of appointments to various committees, commissions, et cetera, and whether departments agree with recommendations or made other recommendations. The controller agreed to scope out some of the proposed projects along with next steps and bring back to the July uh, 2017 committee meeting. And I just I couldn't remember what the relevancy of this item was to the work of this committee. It had to do with Proposition uh, F, which had to do with transparency and, and customer service. Um, and so what I looked at uh, is uh, in the CSA work plan that we're going to do, it looks like one of the items uh, might uh, be inclusive enough. Okay, and this, this deferred this to that section. I'm fine. All right, any public comment on the meeting? Seeing none, motion to approve as amended. So I would make that motion, Mr. Chair. And I'll second it. All in favor? Public comment. Yes, question. Oh, just I'm sorry. I asked for it. Sorry. Yeah, you didn't. The minutes are approved. Okay. Thank you. The minutes are approved. Item number five, presentation from the City Services Auditor regarding the CSA work plan and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation. Before we start, I also wanted to acknowledge on behalf of the committee that this is our, this is our first televised meeting of the Citizens General Obligation Bond Oversight Committee. Um, on behalf of all the members here, I'm glad that it is now being televised, and I'd like to extend a welcome to that premier audience, both of them. Director of the Performance Section of the Controller City Services Auditor. This is Tanya Lidigiu, who is the Director of the Audit Section. Um, at your last meeting, we had a sort of overview of our upcoming work plan for the fiscal year um, that's just started this month. And so now we are back to you for a little bit more detailed discussion of what we've um, got planned for the coming fiscal year. 
And um, we've met with uh, liaisons in between and also tried to incorporate a couple of the suggestions that were made during your own discussion of your work plan. Um, so we'll try and answer each of the questions that was raised at the last um, item in, in addition to just kind of updating you on where we got to with our work plan. <coughs> um, and then after this meeting is concluded, we'll publish the final version on our website and that'll be kind of the last step in our work plan for the fiscal year. Um, the slide deck, uh, some of these you've seen before, so I'll just um, speak to them very quickly. Um, we have a summary of Charter Appendix F and its mandates um, to the Controller's Office. Um, the broad language about reporting on the city's level and effectiveness of public services, um, transparency to the public, our role as the city's internal auditor, and then several specific requirements um, that were uh, uh, particular issues in Charter Appendix F at the time, street, parks, and sidewalk standards, and the like, um, whistleblower hotline. The next slide is a summary of our resources, again, just to give everybody a sense of scale. The requirement is for two-tenths of one percent of the city's budget by fund. By fund means that um, we get a specific work order from each of the city's departments that are enterprise in nature. PUC, for example, um, they collect their funding by virtue of fees to all the users. Uh, we get two-tenths of one percent by the fund um, that's captured by their user fees. Um, and so when you look at our budget, there's a, a column for all the departments that we're getting a work order from and a general fund transaction as well. And that has um, some effect on how we allocate our time and resources. Um, the annual operating budget that's coming to us that way in the current fiscal year, 17.4 million. And then the capital budget, um, the same transaction is done for capital funds. Current estimate is 1.2 million, but this varies quite a bit, as I'm sure you'd be aware, depending on what issuances happen during the fiscal year. We plan our audit program um, only partly to do with the cash flow of how money comes from the bond funds and otherwise to do with other mandates that we've discussed here many times. What should be addressed in pre-planning, what should be done during an audit program, what should be done as closeout. Um, our resources, 65 FTE. Um, my staff are 30 when we be uh, fully staffed and time is 35, I believe. Um, and then the next slide to go into a little bit more detail about um, our largest departments. Our, looks, our budget looks like the city budget, and that's one of the main drivers of how we allocate our resources. Um, this table just takes the largest work orders by size in descending order, so you can see who we're doing most of our work for. Uh, General Fund is always the largest. Um, Department of Public Health, MTA, Human Services, Airport, PUC, Public Works. Those have been stable for many years. Um, last year, with the creation of the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing, we're now getting a separate work order for that activity um, from the new department. Um, and here I'm going to turn it over to Tanya. Um, as Peg stated, there's two sides of the house, city audits and city performance, and the city audit side of the house basically serves as an internal auditor for the city, and we conduct performance audits evaluating efficiency, effectiveness, and economy of city operations, management, construction, IT, and activities in accordance with generally accepted government auditing standards, which are promulgated by the U.S. Government Accountability Office. Um, the city audits is also involved in conducting various financial and mandated audits, not only those required by Appendix F of the city um, charter for CSA, but also various mandates 
and requirements from the city administrator's code, which include um, cash disbursement, city leases and lease management, audits of treasurer and tax collector records, as well as um, prohibition of use of public funds by city contractors, disadvantaged um, business enterprise and controller's audit of operations of all boards, commissions, departments to evaluate effectiveness and efficiency, as well as business and tax regulations. And as it relates to our city performance side, um, they're involved in the various technical aspects of providing assistance, analysis, tracking performance measures, evaluating standards, and benchmarking city services and functions against organizations or jurisdictions. So our processes for developing our work plan each year is a very thoughtful one that involves collaboration with all of our stakeholders throughout the departments, as well as talking with our boards, and as well as the mayor's office. And in developing our plan, we consider the various charter, our admin code requirements and mandates, as well as any other legislation that we need to consider. We look at this and we develop a limited risk analysis to ensure we cover topics of concern as well as interest, as well as any emerging challenges coming forth. And we, our input and suggestions are from, as I stated, elected officials, our department heads, and all of our other stakeholders and as well as we look at our bond and capital program activities. So we take all that information in doing so and determine what we should be doing. And based on, as you know, we have limited resources like all departments, we have 65 staff, and we take that work and we determine how we're going to get that work done with our 65 staff, as well as working with some of our different contractors. So one of the things that, as we um, talk about emerging risks, I'd like to speak to the fact that our job has really evolved. Um, we have audits, information technology, and cyber team, and that really is to address the emerging risks that we all, we're all familiar about and hear daily about um, hacking and just security risks. So we are doing something in that area, but. We are not necessarily publishing those documents simply because as our Yellow Book standards require us to ensure that when we are publishing documents, they will not harm the city in any way, our, our operations and our businesses. We continue to do work around the construction bond audits and capital related assistance as well as nonprofit monitoring and auditing and Peg Shop is doing performance measures program and one of the new things that we're doing, we're supporting the police department as it relates to all of the recommendations from the Department of Justice. And just to sort of remind you of the landscape of the city performance unit, um, we are the primary uh, reporting um, entity for um, city's performance measures. We have uh, a couple of major products in that vein. We publish an annual performance measures report, which is more than a thousand measures gathered from all departments. Um, Mr. Bush was just asking where it shows on the website. The answer is there's an appendix to our annual report published, and also the full data set is on Data SF. Um, so, and we do an extensive year-long process where we work with the departments to 
check the currency of their measures, validate them, be sure that they're supported by underlying data, update them, add and drop measures depending on what they're doing um, so that the city's um, core base of performance measures stays current and valid and supported. Um, the performance scorecards, which is one of the, probably the major performance reporting entity that we um, started publishing last year, is a compilation of, I think, 89 uh, measures, which are grouped into eight different uh, service areas uh, that are intended to be uh, speaking to public interest here. Livability, transportation, uh, public safety. Um, it's intended to be viewed as a web document. I hope you've all had a chance to look at it since it first came out in the current uh, last fiscal year. Um, there is a cover page which lists the measures for that department with a red, yellow, green indicator of the status of it. And then when you drill down on each performance indicator, there's a detail page which is a graph uh, with toggles that allow you to change time periods. Sometimes there's a selection for typology depending on what the measure is. And a detailed text explanation of what's going on there. Um, and that's intended to be our major uh, performance reporting, user-friendly, public access tool. It replaces a quarterly um, document that we published for many years, which you may remember, which was a static PDF document. This is much more interactive, has a lot of movement, and again, we work to keep it current. Um, majors mayor's office is a major um, contributor to this and in interested in it, and most of the measures are chosen in consultation both with them and with the uh, people who own that service area in the department. Um, Benchmarking research and reports, um, we've had a couple of different approaches to it. The one that we published um, in fiscal year 15-16 was a summary benchmarking report that went across all the city's um, service areas instead of doing sort of service area by service area, which we had been doing for a couple of years before. Um, again, I hope you had a chance to look at it. We're really proud of the document. Um, uh, a lot of it is things that can be researched from public sources so that we don't have to do new surveying every single time we want to update it. That was part of our goal here, was not to start something that was going to be really, really, really time consuming to maintain. So we're hoping to mostly maintain it in the format that we published it last year. Um, however, of course, we will add and change uh, measures depending on the currency of public services. Um, parks inspections, analysis, and reporting. Uh, Again, you've heard me say this, but uh, we went mobile with this last year, and that means that a whole lot of time and effort that was being devoted to taking paper uh, clip off, you know, check-off forms and putting them into the database for analysis is now gone. Um, and so we have mobile inspections and uh, a lot of documentation to go with it that has made the whole process of using our park evaluations usable for uh, park maintenance and planning and uh, work orders in a way that just wasn't in past fiscal years. It's an amazing change, and we're hoping to bring that same change. Um, I, I hope I can make this come true during the fiscal year, brought that same change to the Department of Public Works street standards uh, work, which is still done mostly by paper um, right now. Um, citywide non-profiting and accountability. Um, this is a program where we're working with now uh, nine city departments, I think we're adding a couple in the current fiscal year, who share nonprofit contractors where we do our uh, financial and compliance monitoring with them once. Instead of having multiple visits from the different city departments um, that are using that contractor, we uh, publish a report saying uh, their compliance to the city standards and those that are having trouble meeting the city standards, we have a technical assistance program outreach to them to help them get their reporting and their financial management in order so that they can meet the city standards in future years. Um, 
And last uh, but not least, I'll just mention it's a major growth area for us last year and in the next fiscal year is a lean program for city government. Um, this is where we have trained a lot of people, including my own staff, and more than 150 people now in other city departments to do basic business process mapping, identify waste and design improvements um, that are not dependent on new technology systems or more money, um, are things that you can do just by making changes in your own processes. I'd be happy to talk about this at great length if we have time for it, but it's really an exciting, I think, transformative change that we've worked on in the past couple of fiscal years where, you know, it, many, many functions where we would never get there with a technical assistance project and they may not have had the resources to do it themselves. Um, this makes it possible for a lot more city departments to really use modern business process mapping and design, and it's really exciting. And back to Tanya. So as it relates to our audits, we can, um, plan to continue with several of our citywide audit programs, which are generally designed to audit key business processes or functions to ensure and determine overall compliance, effectiveness, and efficiency. And given the emergence of new risks faced by local government, we're tending to move away from conducting comprehensive management audits of departments requiring thousands of hours to conduct more focused um, quick touches, so we're able to provide timely recommendations on a variety of risks by moving away from that type of auditing in some cases. And when where we find that it is needed to do a much more deep dive, we do so based on how we choose our samples and the results of those samples. Um, so, and this happens to be a trend in auditing with our peer local government audit shops as well as in the federal and the state. Um, audit organizations. So we are in alignment with our peers at these different levels and as a result of that we are with our um, continuous audit programs we continually design key reviews of city um, functions as it relates to cash, disbursements, um, payroll, inventory. So I like to consider it looking at the financial statements you're, and looking at what's on the balance sheet, looking at those types of items, assets as well. And I mentioned earlier we are doing information technology cybersecurity audit, um, audits now and we are currently working on our annual report which will have three years of the work that we have done where we will report out on a high level where, what the condition of the city is as it relates to security. But it will be definitely an extremely high level report in um, alignment to standards as well. We have added client eligibility audits to our list in the last couple of years where we looked at um, different programs where we are providing some type of level of assistance to an individual or recipient just to ensure that they are meeting the eligibility requirements as outlined by the provisions of receiving that service. We are looking at our nonprofit organizations and we're going to do a little bit more work um, in the next coming years in that particular area as well and we mentioned that last time. And while we're adding these different things and we continue to do them, we are mandated to look at certain admin codes, as I mentioned earlier, and we'll continue to do that judiciously. 
And one, I think one of the greatest pieces of our work is not just the audit work that we're doing and putting out the audit findings, but what's more valuable about those audit findings are the recommendations and the follow-up that we do around those recommendations. And we have found that over a two-year period, 97% of those audit recommendations are implemented by our departments. And that signifies that they are very responsive to the work that we're doing and they take it serious and they are doing a great work in that. Generally, that 3% or 4% that's left over, it requires a bargaining unit um, opening um, <coughs> time period during one of our annual negotiations, or it's a huge system implementation. It requires a large amount of resource that the department has to figure out how they're going to fund, how they're going to get all these things done. <coughs> So as it relates to um, some of our performance audits, we're going to be doing a capital construction division audit at SFTA. We're doing a citywide fleet management audit. We're doing an audit at DPH for environmental health this year. And those audits generally take anywhere from 15 to 2,500 hours of resource time to get that work done. So that's where we're doing that deep, deep dive. And it's not necessarily over the whole entire organization because it really takes a lot of time to do an entire organization. So we're looking at a portion of our organization. Or from a citywide perspective, we're looking at um, potentially an area where there's some concern or risk and we'd like to address it from a citywide perspective. And generally, there's at least six departments or more using that particular service that we're looking at. And we continue to work on the go bond expenditure audits, as we've talked about um, here last time that we met with you. And we'll be doing four, as requested by this group. And then we have um, a pre-construction phase audit that we're working on as well. So as Tanya just uh, looping back to specific focuses that we have in um, the fiscal year that's just begun, um, the full work plan, as I'm sure you are aware, is a couple of hundred lines of um, audits and work projects. Um, I'll just mention a couple of highlights to you. And we've had a chance to meet with their liaisons and talk to them in more detail. Again, we'd be happy to answer um, any questions that you have. Uh, we published a more complete list of the uh, largest audits and projects in the back of the work plan when the document is published. Um, so there's a lot of detail there. Um, just a couple highlights to give you a sense of our content for the current year. Um, so the Department of Public Health, um, very dynamic department, as you can imagine. Um, they, uh, you know, so many changes have happened over the current year. You know, we uh, past couple of years we had our own um, Healthy San Francisco program for uninsured adults, and that uh, uh, was worked on for a couple of years when the Affordable Care Act uh, came into place. The city had to transition its public health department into a managed care environment, and um, uh, Medicaid expansion affected our populations a lot. Um, we are still uh, dealing with all the changes in enrollments and the uh, record keeping and the clinic services and everything else that have been indicated by those. Um, there's a significant financial reserve set aside on the city's part, as you may know from listening to the budget hearings for 
uh, what may happen might happen here with Medicaid expansion is uh, seriously affected, and we get a lot of patients coming back into the public health system who weren't there in the last couple of years. Um, we're helping manage a, a very big uh, set of expert consultant contracts that are available to the public health department to do planning uh, and service design in these areas. Um, so I'll just kind of leave it at that, and I know that Ms. Chu has a specific interest in this since she has background in it. Um, again, we're happy to provide more detail on any one of the projects, but um, let's just give you a sense of the landscape. And the Department of Public Health is acquiring a new electronic health record system, which is going to be, we think, the largest single IT purchase in the city's history. Um, and they're really just in the planning design stages now, so we're helping them with that and hopefully applying some of the lessons that the controller's office learned from the financial system um, planning design to what they're doing at health. At the MTA, um, we have a couple of very significant projects in customer service, which I know speaks to a concern that's come up here. Um, we're, we've done analysis of uh, how they take in and uh, categorize and investigate and respond to customer service complaints. Um, and we're just now working with all of the people, the staff that do that at the MTA to redesign their processes and address the many weaknesses that came up, um, including response back to the customer. How do you find out what was done? Um, do you find out what was done? Um, and they uh, follow through on more complaints by getting appropriate information and not have to close them for lack of information. <coughs> There's a, a ton of um, great improvements that can be made in this area with um, pretty straightforward design changes, so we're really happy to have the chance to be working with the MTA on that. Um, in capital program delivery, I mentioned this at the last meeting, but it, again, it goes to your interests. They have asked specifically for a review of um, a couple of projects and the public outreach work that was done on them. Um, they feel themselves in the position, as I know you have experienced with some of the reports here, of feeling like a lot of time and effort was put into public and stakeholder outreach. At the same time, the public doesn't feel there was enough. And the whole process slowed everything down. Um, all three things and feel true, I think is all of our experience, and so we're trying to design a research and survey process with them um, to get data um, behind these. Um, which ones are really true, how can we improve the design, and I'm really I'm excited about the project, I'm glad they asked for it, I hope it'll speak to some of your concerns as well. Um, we continue to do work to support the city's capital planning. Um, we'll be working with the uh, uh, departments that are slated to come into the new permit center that's being built at um, uh, Mission and uh, one South Van Est, well, one South Van Est. That's a, a long design process that we hope again will produce at the end of all of it a customer-friendly uh, um, organization that doesn't just take you know what the permitting departments have now and move it into a new building, um, but really design it in a way that um, uh, makes it feel like you don't have to know everything already about getting a permit before you walk in the door. Um, I guess is our simplest goal. Um, we'll be. Uh, making new improvements to the performance program. I touched on a couple of these, expanding the data academy where we do our uh, statistical and software training and also the lean training. And then the assistance to the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Um, again, in the current year, uh, we our major project was um, just helping them get up and running and get their contracts transferred as a technical matter. And then we also did a, a project to analyze the work that's done by the homeless outreach team and design a new kind of working model with and for them. 
Um, we have about four projects that are planned for that were the request of Jeff Kaczynski and also responsive to some of the public concerns and mayor's concerns about how that department is working. Um, so we'll be doing a number of different things. Again, assisting with their contracting, implementing the new design issues for the homeless outreach uh, uh, process, um, looking at how they manage their buildings, um, and just the whole, they became a very big manager of real estate leases um, and how they're gonna uh, deal with that whole issue. Um, and then uh, a, a couple of service design, uh, sort of architectural evaluations where you know, the, the goal, if I can oversimplify it for the department, is to um, not have homelessness addressed by you know, which case manager or program we talked to that day or which door you came into, but by acuity. Um, they're trying to make sure that they understand and enroll um, the city's homeless population um, in a coherent and consistent way and deal with um, the different populations in terms of acuity and meeting their service needs best and again just not have it be dependent on which door you walk through that day. Um, that's the, the department's goal in the simplest terms and we'll be helping them in the evaluation for that. Um, just two other quick things to mention since they came up in the liaison meetings. Um, we will do work that you had requested when you talked about your own work plan about um, public satisfaction with bond program. We think it's a good idea and it seemed to get a lot of um, agreement among your group when you talked about your work plan. We are refreshing the pool of contractors that we use to do survey work. Um, and so we use them for the city survey, other city departments use them for surveying design. So as soon as that pool of contractors is available to us again, um, we can uh, put together a design document and uh, have this work bid you know, by the market and um, uh, employ a contractor. Um, choosing a project, um, I was not at the liaison meeting that was had in the last couple of weeks, so I don't know if um, we have moved closer to choosing a project. Um, but as soon as it, um, that decision can be made in consultation with you, we'll have a much better sense of um, how it's going to be funded and what the size and design is. But again, we're excited about doing this. We think it's a good project. Um, we're preparing to have ours and um, uh, funding line items put in in the next, uh, the start of the next quarters as we get the work done. Um, also on customer service plans, uh, I think one of the, and this is speaks to where um, Mr. Carlson mentioned the note in the minutes, um, we did a survey of kind of everything that the departments currently do um, by way of a lot of different charter requirements um, that touch on these areas as support to the mayor's request on strategic planning. So they want every city department to have a strategic plan and to publish it. Um, consistency in format, user-friendliness, and design would be great, but that may be further down the road. So we're working with the mayor's office to help make that come true, provide resources for it. One of the things that we did was you know, survey all the departments to see what they had. You know, did they have a, a strategic plan? Did it have you know, goals, targets, measures? Which elements were present, which were missing? You know, had there been a public discussion process? Had there been a stakeholder process? All the things that you need in a strategic plan. Whether or not they have a customer service plan, um, I think we included in that survey. I have to check and make sure we got current inter information on it, but at minimum we would have a data point that says yes, they do or don't publish a customer service plan that would uh, go partly to Mr. Bush's interest, who I think was the person who raised that in discussion. And that brings us to, um, similar to the conversation that you had at your last meeting about um, how you're meeting your charter requirements. We 
uh, want to talk a little bit about how we're meeting our charter requirements. Um, again, just to kind of bring us all up to speed on this. Um, so we put a couple of slides in here and a table which just lists the major requirements in Charter Appendix F, which are our marching orders. Um, the uh, section references column one. Column two is what I call standard work, you know, things that we're doing every year that are um, responsive to this requirement. And then column three are things that we're doing in the current year, which are um, uh, more specifically responsive to the requirement and examples of how we're doing that work. Um, so uh, Tanya and I are going to kind of take turns just running down these um, requirements very quickly. Um, first one, Charter Appendix F101, Services Audit Unit. Um, this is the section I always call it aspirational when I talk to you. It talks about reporting on the level and effectiveness of public services, about uh, reporting to the public, being transparent. Um, and here we, uh, our standard work is the performance measurement database, the scorecards, um, and a lot of technical assistance work that we do. Um, there are, there's language in there about reporting on workload requirements. Um, we do a lot of work that addresses workload. The example that I've given here for 1718 uh, HSA benefits intake project. So this is something we're doing with HSA where um, they have a lot of eligibility workers that uh, do intake for food stamps. Um, Medicaid and the way they organized their work um, needed evaluation and redesign. Um, they had a couple of queuing processes which are very outdated, which meant that some workers were busy all the time and stuff was piling up and they were getting backloads. Others reached the end of a task list and had nothing to do um, for the rest of their work day. So we are doing work which is basically about uh, evening out and bringing some more modern design methods to that workload. So I just raise it as an example of something that we're doing that measures and acts on workload. Um, there's language in there about effectiveness. Um, I talked about the MTA passenger service request project. That's an example of a measure of effectiveness. Um, and uh, Tanya, on performance audits. So as it relates to performance audits, as I shared earlier, we have the fleet um, management audit which is for the entire city and then the Department of Public Health or Environmental Health and then our IT governance audits. And so as it relates to performance and we survey and we're looking at other jurisdictions as it relates to leading practices and we're looking at, the reality is with all of our audits that are just simply not compliance audits, we are looking at economy, efficiency, and effectiveness. And we really look to determine how those three E's, as we call it in our world, are being satisfied within the context of our work. The next section about street and park standards. Um, we touched on this. Our standard work is the annual report. Our current work in fiscal year 17-18 is improvements to the mobile tools and a new dashboard that we're creating for the uh, Rec and Park Department to use that data. Um, in Public Works, uh, the contract is coming to an end, so we're going to bid a new contract, and I hope move to mobile, as I mentioned. And Tanya on the... Really quickly, we have the Go Beyond um, Expenditure Audits, which really are to determine are we in compliance with the language of the bond, and it's really are we spending the money accordingly. And as you know, we already have those in work, and we're continuing, continuing to do that work as discussed prior. 
tired of this tag team thing. Um, we work on our act. Um, the next section is uh, management and employment practices. The language, uh, I think, says that the city services auditor should have uh, work that looks at the city's management and employment practices and which promoter impede effective public service delivery. It mentioned specifically reporting on overtime and workers' comp and the top five departments, expenditures, and issues in there, which we, uh, our budget analysis unit is the major unit that does the work on that and publishes that report. Um, our focus work in 17-18 is going to be metric and dashboard development. This is where we had done a time to hire analysis that drew on job apps and um, many, many other data sources, but the fact of the matter is the city doesn't have a reliable way of looking end-to-end -end and how long it takes to hire somebody and where the pinch points are. Um, so we are working with the Human uh, Resources Department to ch change and fix that. And uh, one of the opportunities that's coming up here is uh, the job apps, um, the way the city intakes all of its applications and processes them is coming to an end, and the city has the opportunity to design new system requirements and to improve the current system to be able to report that more reliably. And as it relates to this particular piece of our charter, we actually do a performance audit of SFMTA's workers' compensation program. We're looking at the cost effectiveness of that program and how it's um, preventing or minimizing worker compensation claims. We are also looking at third, their third party administrator and how effectively and efficiently they are protecting SFMTA's um, interest as it relates to the various claims that come forth. And then is InterCare complying with its contract and terms? And there's, of course, other objectives that follow out, fall out into that work as well. And so as it relates to F1-104, we are, um, again, primarily focusing on the performance audits we are conducting and our periodic, our comprehensive financial and performance audits of city departments. And so we're looking at our assessments, the compliance audits, just really all of our work at, um, at large. And so we have, again, the Capital and Construction Division Audit at SFMTA, the Citywide Fleet Management Audit, then all of the mandated compliance and concession audits at the airport, the port, rec and park, SFMTA, and SFPUC, then the construction audits, and then, as I spoke of earlier, our quick touch audits, cash, inventory, so forth and on. Uh, So then, as it relates to this area, we are publicly, publicly issuing our audit work. We have our follow-up process, that's every six months. We follow up theoretically all the way to up to two years. Generally, as I stated earlier, it's a 97% rate of um, recommendations implemented. And for those that are outstanding, we do continue to follow up on those audits. But generally, our hope is that everything is um, actually implemented within the two-year period. And we come before the board's um, government audit and oversight committee with those audit results and recommendations. Uh, charter section F.106 is oversight of contracting procedures. So this is language that speaks to the controller's authority to 
oversee city contracting procedures and provide advice and standards about model RFPs and other contract processes. Um, again, we've had a project in our work plan every single year that I've been here, um, doing work with and for the city's OCA trainings, uh, new contract documents. We have a website um, which is also available to the public. It's not an intranet site. It has a full set of documents on this subject, model RFPs, standard language, um, charts, uh, timelines for how to run RFP processes, um, documents and decks on how to train your staff um, to make sure that you do these processes effectively and um, compliantly. It's really complicated, as you know. Um, there's many city departments that just don't have the ability to run a contracting process themselves because they are small staffed and they have a couple of administrative staff who do everything. Um, in some cases, we have run contracting processes for them because we have uh, staff that are well-versed in these compliance um, efforts and we can get a contract and meet all the compliance requirements. So we do some of both. We have a lot of training and uh, tools available for other departments and in some cases, uh, we have done contracting processes ourselves for client departments. Um, and. Uh, the sort of main act in fiscal year 17-18 will have to do with the functionality that's becoming available in the city's new financial system. So um, a whole lot of functionality which was present in three or four different systems used by the Office of Contract Administration and all the client departments is moving into FSP. Um, there will be uh, better tracking of every step of the process, I think I can say with confidence. Um, more ability to do analysis since um, uh, contracting steps will be captured in there electronically for the most part and instead of hard uh, paper copy documents uh, submitted to most RFP processes. Um, there's going to be a long period at which uh, we're uh, finding issues out, the you know, first couple of quarters at minimum. Um, and Ben may be able to speak more to this because I was actually not here the last couple of weeks when the go live first happened. but. I'm sure we're already collecting a list of changes to functionality that we all want to make the contracting tools um, sort of you know, the, the holy grail that we're all hoping for from this um, project come true. And so I don't have a project definition for you right now, um, but after a couple of quarters of looking at what worked and what didn't, um, then we'll be designing a project for improvement there and I'm happy to come back and talk to you about what, what happens next. as it relates to F1.107, we're all familiar that we do have a robust whistleblower program and we have quarterly reports summarizing the results of substantiated complaints and highlighting our operations. We host liaison education and training sessions to publicize the program citywide. We have a fraud hotline um, as well as webinars and um, I think the program just continues to grow and move well. So just the last section that was <coughs> listed here was the requirement of customer service plans. Again, I mentioned to you that we're, I, I think we've included this in our survey, we'll include it in the strategic plan work that we're um, doing with the mayor's office and then have a better sense of sort of where the city stands on the customer service plan requirement. Um, so I'll just you know, sort of take a step back here and um, this is a good exercise for us, so looking at the Charter Appendix F requirements, you know, same like it was a good exercise for you all to go through in your last couple of meetings. 
There are a lot of them. Um, we strive to have work that is responsive to every requirement. We know that we have uh, good performance in many areas and we consider them some. Um, we really value the input that we get you know, from you and from civil grand jury reports and from the public and the mayor's office that help us strengthen and improve and add things to our work plan that you know make it complete and responsive to everything that's uh, wanted in Charter Appendix F. Um, and it's a, you know, the, the progress that's happened over the last couple of fiscal years, I think is really impressive. I mean, Tanya's, um, you know, steady efforts since she was hired to put in um, consistent audit programs in all the areas that she's listed in her slides, the improvements that we've been able to make in our performance program, you know, once we sort of stabilized the leadership of it in Natasha Mihal and added staff to that element, um, uh, just our client departments, um, getting better and better at working with us to, you know, where there's a value to having a third party, um, which we are in many senses, come in and help them with something, either because we bring skills or the neutrality is valued, um, has meant that the quality of our project um, has gotten a lot, lot better. And uh, using the right tool for the job is always on my mind here. So I'm really proud of where we are. Um, but at the same time, I, I'm happy to hear any uh, requests, comments. I hope we've successfully incorporated at least what we did here from the liaisons in your last couple of meetings into our work plan. We do a formal update every quarter. Um, so as we're meeting with you during the year, you know, at the beginning, upcoming, uh, you know, first of the month that starts every fiscal quarter, we make formal changes to the work plan. We add audits and projects and drop audits and projects if they a different decision has been made during that time period. So there's a formal opportunity, you know, three times during the next fiscal year, and of course, um, discussion we can have any of them. Okay, well, I think we have a liaison report, so we should do that before we start asking questions. Yeah. Um, I, I apologize to my colleagues. I didn't um, let you know about this meeting. We have a three birthday, so I think one of the things that we're trying to do is just put it out there and say it's happening. Um, you can join in on the um, uh, But I did um, reach out to Larry, who also attended um, a one hour meeting. Um, and it was a great, it was a great meeting. I learned a, a lot um, through the process uh, and the, the breadth of what this team is is, is doing um, is very impressive. And the fact that they can understand uh, challenges across very different domain areas and have an effect on the ability um, to um, for those domain areas for each of those departments to deliver is is um, a very rare and important thing to do. Um, I I can see a trend in what's happening there. Um, I was sort of getting at this, but um, trying to turn the culture of this city um, to include performance um, uh, improvement in how they do their work every day. Um, I know that at UCSF we also adopted lean, and it really has changed the way we talk um, about uh, the work that we do. Um, it's put a, um, some terms in. Um, that made it very accessible for everyone to say, well, how can we do better? Um, and I think that one of the ways you can see that, that, that this group has been successful is that departments are reaching out to them saying, hey, can you help me do this? Um, I think we saw that um, uh, last, I think it was last quarter, uh, when one of the departments um, was really inviting you in. And usually don't invite auditors in. <laughs> you wait until the very last minute. Um, but uh, that seems to be um, uh, a, a sign, for me, that's definitely a sign that, 
that the culture is changing, um, or that you're having that effect that you're certainly looking to have. Um, so for, I, I, that's, my, that's the, the whole report. Um, Larry, do you want to I, I thought there was an opportunity for a few points to uh, emerge from your conversation uh, that would help the public understand some of the issues. When you talk about MTA and customer service, what have you found about uh, the backup traffic affecting the ability for MTA to meet its timelines? Because in the newspapers, I read that, uh, that it's having a significant impact on uh, ability to get around the city. Uh, are you finding that customer complaints are in any way related to the level of traffic in the city? As opposed to, say, operator um, I'm sure we can know that. I really don't want to talk off the top of my head or guess about it, which is what I would be doing. But the complaints can be categorized in ways that support that. So um, we know which one of them, which one of them are about pass-ups, rudeness, or, or other driver behavior issues, um, lateness or timeliness of the buses. So. There are data points that allow us to know those things. Um, I won't guess, um, but I, as we move through the project, we can certainly report to you on it. And we're going to actually we're reporting to the MTA's uh, uh, policy advisory group about it uh, this week. I, I guess what I would think though is, after you know, a is there a B step that you would then make some recommendations to someone about how to move the traffic faster so that the public transit could work better. Uh, I don't think that's really an element of this project, yeah. but of other projects. Um, so. uh, you have a, a study on eligibility, uh, and I'm wondering if, to what extent is that a cross-cutting uh, study? So if you take in, I know in the past, our systems didn't do a good job of talking to each other. So you could say who's receiving uh, public assistance versus who's getting food stamps, who's getting health stuff. We just couldn't match. Do they match up now? So it relates to we're not looking at the design of the system. Right. We're looking at the compliance piece of it. And so, is this person actually eligible to receive this particular benefit? And it's not. Um, so it's not about their system. It's not an audit of systems. So does that mean that you can't? At, the, at this time, the system doesn't let you look at an individual and say, this person would qualify for housing assistance, for food stamps, for health service, and all sorts. So you can see across the board what the programs are that they would be eligible for. So to answer your question, we have not designed an audit in that area at this point in time. But we're not opposed to doing so. Um, on contracting, uh, F1.106, um, Ben was good enough to give me information on some of the debarments. Uh, do you circulate the list of debarments to uh, departments and include the contract? I, I can take this one, and I uh, owe you a, a deeper follow-up, Mr. Bush, on some of your questions, which I'll get done this week. Um, uh, Vendors that are debarred by the city go through a formal process that's outlined in the administrative code. Um, once a vendor is debarred, uh, the debarment is posted to the city's website. 
and the system which we use to both encumber funds and make payments to vendors is coded such that no contract can be entered into with a debarred vendor or a payment process to a debarred vendor. Do you share that with federal uh, debarment programs? So that when you have, for example, uh, DPW is getting federal funds, and you can make sure that you have a federally debarred a city contract. It's a good question that I don't know the answer to, but I can follow up and get back to you on it. Um, how information is shared back and forth between the city and county and other governments regarding our departments. Um, let me follow up on that. And, and the last question I have about that, 1.108 on customer service plans. Um, is that going to become part of a departmental annual report? A customer service plan be included in a departmental annual report, which are mandated by the department? Um, what we're trying to, how we're trying to get to that is with the support to the mayor's initiative on strategic planning. Um, we'll include customer service plans, whether they have one or not, um, in our summation of that. Um, departments doing annual reports, also a checkbox on our, our, our survey of departments. Um, whether they have the one in the other, I don't know. Um, but I just thinking out loud here, I guess you know one of the things we're uh, producing for the mayor's office is a sort of simplified design tool. You know, you need a strategic plan. Here are the basic elements it should have. Um, if you don't have a model for it, here's a model. Um, support to them to run processes to move through the steps of a strategic plan in some cases. Um, so that's the work that we've got in mind. Um, it's one of those things where you know we could spend hundreds and hundreds of hours on this if um, we did everything that was asked for. We probably we need to make a decision about how many hours we want to commit to it and you know work strategically. I want to also extend a compliment to you all for uh, overall for all the work you do. Uh, notably, uh, on the mayor's web page, it now includes performance support. So I'm pleased to see that it allows us to get there was two things we asked for. You had mentioned the bond satisfaction surveys, but the other one that I think we talked about that was um, compare the, this body with other bodies that do bond oversight at, at, and then um, and, and both within the city. Yes, so we definitely will be doing that work as requested. Okay, um, we're way over time on this item, but I'm going to ask a couple of questions real quickly. Um, one of the things that I think Peggy mentioned was that in doing public outreach, you find that the agency itself will complain that we're spending an awful lot of time doing this and it delays their progress. And then from the public, you say, well, there hasn't been enough public outreach. Is the city looking to coming up with a standard form by which they'll do this, a standard process, I should say, you know, with limited objectives commensurate with the schedule of the project? Um, again, I don't think be guessing. There are standard requirements now when you're doing an EIR. Um, so the basic architecture is probably still going to be driven by that. Okay. Um, 
and then um, in the MTA's case, they have other public outreach requirements that are driven by their funding sources. If there's federal money involved, um, so you know, I think one of their goals certainly is um, standard work um, and approach to this. Um, so I know it's not a lot of information now, but I, I think that is certainly one of their goals. And, and one other question, more of a comment, I think this is for Tanya. You are doing a performance audit on, this is on draft number four, SFMTA Capital Construction Division Audit. I'm with Brenda, the liaison for the 2014 Transportation and Road Improvement Fund. And I'd like to coordinate somehow with that, with your effort, and as long as that isn't a violation of something kind. Certainly. Okay, so I will contact you by email and see what we can do. I don't expect this to be a major effort, but I would like to at least not be redundant in what you're doing and be aware of what you're doing, too. Well, certainly. Okay, great. And that's all I had. Any other questions from members of the committee? None. All right, then, public comment. Thanks, both of you. Good morning, my name is Jerry Drotter, I have three comments. The statement made today by the CSA of, quote, helping manage, close quote, with regard to the Department of Public Health concerns me because one of the basic rules of auditing is auditor independence, and as an auditor, you can't audit your own board. Management consulting within an audit function is not permitted, it should not be housed within the CSA. This was a major issue with regard to the big four accounting firms, which led them to spin out their consulting businesses into independent business units. Number two, the lack of public disclosure of the information technology and cyber team reports is extreme. Can the title of the reports be listed on the controller website and the reason why the reports are not published be provided? This would provide citizen awareness of the existence of these reports and opens the potential for a citizen to sunshine specific reports that are not currently visible and the potential for sensitive portions of the technology audit reports to be redacted versus hiding all the reports. Number three, has the CSA ever performed a departmental comprehensive financial and performance audit of the Department of Building Inspections. There is an epidemic of unpermitted construction in San Francisco, and citizens are looking for DVI accountability. There is no reason that the building code compliance can't be as effective as the city's enforcement of the parking code with assistance from the CSA. Thank you. Again, I'm Patrick Manette Shaw. Maura Lane kindly ported you my email announcing my new article in the West Side Observer titled Failure to Monitor Change Orders. It's available on my website, www.stoplhhdownsize.com. It's all one word. My article noted the 2008 and 2012 labor parks bonds that you oversee averaged 10.8% in change orders against the uh, initial 
uh, project budgets. With, uh, uh, for 17 projects that have been completed today, there are still 10 outstanding. Applying that 10.8% to the 3.6 billion in bond project to oversee would translate into $388.8 million in change works that would go up in smoke. This isn't just about a $20 toilet seat change order that some of you may not care so much about. 200, no, I'm sorry, 388 million is a lot of money. Gobot failed to investigate the 71.6 million in change orders on the Laguna Honda hospital rebuild, resulting in scope of 420 skilled nursing beds that has now resulted in dumping patients out of county. Gobot hasn't investigated excessive cost, soft costs like the 18% or 159.4 million in the SFGH rebuild soft costs. You've also failed to investigate reduction in the scope of other bond-funded projects. During your May 25th meeting, Controller Rosenfield noted that a standardized reporting template for quarterly reporting was being developed for all bond projects based on the ESCR and RRSS bond report formats currently in use, which include reporting of change orders. But that's problematic because the RRSS bond presentation shoehorned reporting nine different categories of change orders into just four categories. And many of the bond stats by owners address multiple projects within a single bond, but the RRS bond failed to report change orders for two of those projects. On June 23rd, Peg Stevenson replied to a records request saying no bond template is being worked on or proposed as yet, but suggested the 2012 parts bond has, quote, the most common consistently used format, end quote, but it doesn't report change orders. Which is it? Rosenfield's a template is being developed or Stevenson's no new template has been proposed. They can't have it both ways. Completing a bond reporting template, including change orders, should be your highest priority. We are so admonished. Item 6, presentation from the Civil Grand Jury regarding accelerating San Francisco government and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation.
It's a pleasure to be here this morning. My name is Lawrence Grew. I'm the chair of the Government Performance Committee of the Civil Grand Jury for 2016-2017. I'm here today with my colleague, Kathleen Lowry, the foreperson of the Civil Grand Jury. And it's a real pleasure to talk with you about the small subject of government performance uh, in the next 20 minutes. Uh, I actually want to begin, though, with a recognition um, of the Controller's Office and Ben and his team, because over the last year, they have been tremendously responsive, helpful, uh, and most of all, I'd say, patient with the innumerable questions, requests, annoying last-minute meeting demands, etc., etc., etc. So, to Ben, representatives of his team, uh, we very much appreciate that help and collaboration. Uh, so I want to spend the next 20 minutes talking about our work in government performance, what we found, but I need to make a confession first, okay? And that confession is that I'm not going to follow the PowerPoint presentation <laughs> because I don't like PowerPoint presentations. I've seen too many of them, and I think you all probably have seen too many of them as well. So I'm going to speak more or less directly. Having said that, if you have questions about anything that was in your agenda that's in the presentation, please feel free to ask the question. We'll, we'll answer it. I want to spend the first half of the next 20 minutes talking about more or less what we did. Um, and then I want to just leave it open for your questions and comments, should you have them. Um, uh, and I'm going to start my conversation with focusing on two different areas. First of all, what we did, what we looked at, what did the civil grand jury focus on for government performance for a year? What did we look at? And then secondly, talk in general terms the outline of our findings and recommendations. <clears throat> and the discussion begins with frustration. The people of San Francisco are frustrated. This is not my opinion. Credible opinion polls over the last several years document that a near majority of San Franciscans believe the city is headed in the wrong direction. That's remarkable when you think about it in different ways. We have the most dynamic economy in the country. We have an employment rate that is at perhaps record levels. We have a city that's among the most beautiful in the world, and yet people are deeply frustrated. Why is that? Why is that? Uh, well, According to credible opinion polls, number one, homelessness. Number two, affordability crisis, housing especially. Number three, street crime, petty crime, street safety. Again and again, those things appear to be the most important issues for San Francisco. So we looked at that context and stepped back. And you all are a great group to talk to these, these issues about because over the last 10 years, if you look at the metrics, um, in each of those areas, the situation has not meaningfully improved. In fact, by the city's own metrics, things have actually worsened in certain respects. Even while the budget of San Francisco has increased by 100%. We crunched the numbers. We looked at San Francisco's budget on a per capita basis. We believe, after crunching the numbers, 
that San Francisco now has perhaps the most expensive public services per capita in the country. Think about that. Well, we wanted to understand how the government is tracking progress, measuring progress, and reporting that to the people. That's the starting point for trying to understand how to fix things. And so we focused, most of all, on the single mechanism by which the government reports to the people on a systematic basis. And fortunately, this topic has already been introduced by the previous agenda item, the performance scorecards. It's the only systemic way that the government is reporting on its progress to the people in a consistent basis. Now, Ben's office, the office of the controller, is responsible for managing and administering that. But it's really reporting on the performance of the executive, which under the city charter is responsible for the performance, and the mayor in particular. So we looked at how this system works. We spoke to dozens of people across the government, the legislature, the executive. We spoke to folks outside government, experts. We looked at external resources, leading academic research, a lot of effort. And we also looked at other cities, what they do. Now, no city is a perfect example for any other city, let alone San Francisco. But what's going on in Portland, or Seattle, or New York City, or Philadelphia, or Austin, it matters. Those cities are struggling in different ways with the same things that San Francisco is struggling with. And several of those, including Philadelphia and New York, have joint city and county structures, like San Francisco. So they have a double win in terms of their responsibilities. So we looked at all of those cities as well. And when you think about it, what we did was we spent more or less a year looking at the basic operating system of the government. How is it working? Is it serving the people well? You all probably know the civil grand jury, it's 19 totally random people thrown into a room. They have nothing in common other than the fact that they live in San Francisco and they're on the civil grand jury. And we came out unanimously with a set of findings and recommendations. Unanimously. Try to get 19 people who have nothing in common to unanimously agree. It's a challenge. As Catherine, uh, the poor person, knows more than uh, anyone. Uh, and the takeaways, I think, at, a, at the most general level, uh, number one, the city can substantially, significantly improve how progress is being reported to the people. Number two, the city can substantially improve the focus on the things that matter most to the people of San Francisco, and even how those things are being managed. Number three, the city can substantially improve, and this was alluded to in the previous agenda item, the way that you link together performance management and reporting with budget and plan in the government. What follows from that is eight findings and 14 recommendations. We could have had a long list of findings. We could have had an even longer list of recommendations. What we chose to do instead 
was to focus on what we thought were the most important findings and the most implementable. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, you have individually and collectively a lot of experience in government. You must be thinking, gosh, Lawrence, all that sounds kind of nice, but things in government are complicated or expensive, both. Well, actually, we're not really talking about complicated things. Uh, that's not our focus. We're talking about basic things. Example, finding number one, which I'll read for the record. The broader public is barely aware of the performance scorecard framework, diminishing its utility and hampering the San Francisco government's ability to communicate progress to San Francisco. So, breaking that down, what that means is all of the work that Ben's team does, getting all of this amazing information from across the government, packaging it together across dozens of different indicators, is barely even noticed by the public. They barely even know what's going on. The recommendation couldn't be more basic. Stick the performance scorecards. For a starter, on the homepage of the government. It was alluded to that, in fact, Mr. Bush, I think you said this, that the mayor's office recently put the performance scorecards on the homepage of the mayor's office. That's true. We're happy to see that, too. Uh, we might even want to take a little bit of credit for that. Um, but then again, if you look where it is now, you have to scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll and scroll. And then maybe. You're still focused. So we looked at basic issues, and we tried to line up some ideas that are supportive of the people in government, not destructive. We're trying to be helpful. We're a nonpartisan group. What we've effectively done is teed up on a silver platter, a nonpartisan blueprint, to help the government do a better job of reporting to the people. I started this little talk by asking why. Why is it that so many people are frustrated in San Francisco? And maybe it is because of homelessness issues. And maybe it is because of uh, affordability issues or other issues. But maybe it's also because people in San Francisco have very little understanding about what's going on, what the government is progressing on or not, and why. And the irony of that statement is that it's actually in the self-interest of the elected officials of San Francisco to change that. Because the best academic research that we've seen suggests that the more an audience understands what's going on on its behalf, the operational efforts that are being conducted, the more confidence, the more trust is going to be raised. So it's in the interest of the mayor's office. It's in the interest of the board of supervisors to take the way the city is reporting on performance and elevate it to a much greater degree. I've gone over 10 minutes. Um, we don't have enough time to go through each one of the findings uh, or the recommendations. Uh, Kathy and I are available now to take questions or at your convenience outside this forum. Thank you very much for your attention. Thanks for your presentation. All right, questions from uh, I have a couple. 
Um, when it comes to certainly oversight and review of the city's budget as far as access to information, there is the Comprehensive Annual Fiscal Report, also known as the Capital. Um, and that is publicly accessible. Um, and there is also GASPI, which is a general government audit service bureau that, that comes out with findings and recommendations annually on, on municipalities' uh, budgets and expenditures. And and there are many others that, that don't come to mind right at the moment, but there is there is a lot of review, and so, and I appreciate, Morris, everything, all the work that you have put in, and that there's this sense of frustration that has been found as a result of these polls that were taken, and I don't doubt that there is a sense of frustration by people in San Francisco, but what I, but what, for me, is a leap in the findings, and I, and I believe the recommendations uh, to be well intended and based on the findings that, that the grand jury arrived at, um, is that the frustration is somehow linked to uh, the expenditures. There's a reference here to the overall uh, general budget and, and, a, and a tie to a per capita expenditure. So when you take the city's entire annual budget, and in that entire annual budget, you have enterprise department dollars. Uh, and by that, I mean the airport, for example, would be in the 9.5 billion that is cited. And so as a resident of San Francisco, you may or may not pay any portion of the city's, of the airport's budget. It's fee for service, DBI is a fee for service. So in the event as a city resident, you don't utilize that service. You don't actually pay any of that. Um, so the frustration um, that it, it is broken out as to homelessness, uh, so that would be a general fund supported service. Uh, petty crime, which would be police, uh, and that's a general fund funded service. Housing. So I wonder if there was an analysis of the general fund expenditures, which would be more directly related uh, to the four things that they found the most frustration. In other words, we could set aside PUC and whether or not you know people are happy with the water rates. Those are regulated under CPUC audits anyway and findings. The authority have jurisdiction. So it sounds like the four areas of frustration are all general fund funded budget items. Um, and how did that measure against the other cities that were measured? Seattle, Portland, Austin, and New York, If we know. It's, it's a very good question, thank you, and I'll circle back to another point you made uh, as well. Uh, the answer is it sounds like a great task for this advisory body to look at that. Um, we, didn't, we didn't spend that much time focused on breaking down the budget. 
um, and looking at different elements of the budget. I think that that is one hypothesis that you could draw that we should you should look at it, or whether it's the civil grand jury, you all, or someone else. I think you could also make the suggestion that there should be more, um, I would say, detailed analysis of the cost effectiveness in terms of on a per unit basis in different areas of the government. And different cities are beginning to really look at that in greater detail. How do you measure on a per unit basis in a given area of public service cost effectiveness? I think that's another way to get at it. We didn't um, do that specific research for our work. As I said, our work was overall looking at the basic system of how the city is tracking performance, focusing public attention, reporting it, so that the public can hold the government to account. So appreciate that. If I can, on that point, circle back to one of your first uh, uh, points. You noted that there are a lot of other um, uh, releases or reports every year, including the big budget um, documentation that comes out, that does contain information. That's true. There are a lot of reports. In fact, if you lined up all of the reports, we could fill this room, right? But in some ways, that's exactly the point that we're trying to make, which is that for all of this reporting, the people don't seem to be getting it. But it's not even just that. This is the last point I make on your question. Sorry, and then turning it to others. It's not even that. There are people in this building with large offices. And I, I, can, I can't tell you them, their names, but you can probably guess. There are people in this building with large offices who don't know what the performance scorecard is, who are unclear about how the government is reporting to the people, notwithstanding all of the amazing things the publications, the reports that you've alluded to. How do other cities deal with this? There's no perfect example, but one way to do it is the mayor, every year, stands up and says, this is how we're doing. Now you might say, well, wait a sec, that's the state of the city. No, it's not. It's a, it's, a, it's a concise summation of how we're doing. Metrics are clear against goals every year. This is how we're doing. Another question. Yeah, uh, just a quick question. Uh, there's a statement on page three when we can <clears throat> major roads rated the worst of any large city in the U.S. I don't want an answer today, but if you could maybe send to Ben a list of those roads by name, it would be nice to pass that on to our capital uh, improvement. Yeah, I, 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 yes. And uh, so to see if they kind of line up with what they're thinking. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy to provide that, um, Mr. Carlson. I know actually Ben is, is specifically aware of that. In fact, I can also speak on his behalf. He disagrees with the methodology of that finding. We actually partially disagree with it, too. I think it's still very illustrative and helpful to, to see. So I'm happy to provide um, the details that exist on that specific finding for your consideration. My comments are going to uh, be saved mostly for the Controller's response from the grand jury reporters. I have a number of points on this. As I listened to the conversation with Commissioner Carlson, Commissioner Hughes' point, it seems that what we're really also saying is there's a disconnect between the work that's being done with the controller's office and others and what the public understands that work to be. Uh, and that the, uh, you're right, there are innumerable reports, everything from Harvey Rhodes to the controller's office. 
uh, at each different department. Uh, and there is not a framework uh, that lets you see in one place even the top five reports that look at the city. Remember, uh, I'm, I'm one of the older ones here. That when Ed Koch was mayor, he used to go around town saying, how are we doing, how are we doing? And you don't hear anybody saying that in San Francisco very often. Um, what we did have a candidate for mayor who ran a few years ago, who was a, a viable candidate, who actually went to the door of the mayor's office and asked for copies of the city's budget and everything and, and was unable to get it. Things were quite efficient for about three days. Um, so I think that one of the things that we might want to review in the controller's response is ways in which there can be a better job of communicating what we do know and what we don't know. This is a familiar topic for the Well, if there are no other questions, just I'll thank you, Lawrence, on behalf of the committee. And I'd like you to transmit our thanks to your 18 fellow members there. I hope you got some satisfaction on the job you did, because I knew you could have been in so money. <laughs> no, that's right. Just trying to help out. Comment. Public comment. Public comment. Public comment. I'm sorry. Yeah. Good morning, my name is Jerry Grandler. The mission of the performance scorecard is to highlight the key performance indicators for the city of San Francisco. The key takeaway from the civil grand jury report is the lack of report visibility and the ineffectiveness of the performance scorecard. I'm going to make some comments pertaining the actual presentation of the report. Some of the individual measure targets make no sense this is disappointing since half of the CSA department resources are committed to performance improvement. Examples. One of the biggest problems facing the city is the $4 billion underfunded situation with the retirement plan. You are reporting March 2015 two-year-old performance numbers against a 2043 goal of 100% funding. The number that's currently reported is four-tenths of a percentage point. The Office of the Controller was instrumental in crafting the plan to fund the retiree health benefits, so I don't understand why the CSA can't report progress against interim goals. Traffic fatalities. Why is the target, the 2024 goal of zero, what sense does that make? when you look at 2017 actual data against a 2024 goal of zero. Sales tax collection has no goal, yet the city budgets sales tax revenue. What sense does that make? Approximately 37% of the 84 performance goals have no goal only actual data. I mean, that's ridiculous. Thank you. Let's let these guys go. Um, I, I was just wondering, 
whether you, because Mr. Tonneson is now here, yeah. whether you want to go back to item three, the election of chair and co-chair, because because that is a requirement that that happen at this meeting. Oh, we'll do it, but I'm just saying I think that the SFGH, pardon me, the DQW said Joe Chan. They want to be here for the conversation about the response. Yeah, I guess there's a question about whether you want to talk about our response. But, I'm sorry, about what? But we have a response to the okay. civil grand jury report that we're going to take up next. And I was thinking the civil grand jury might want to be here for that. So we've provided, uh, the committee had requested a presentation from the civil grand jury on this report. We've provided our preliminary draft responses to the report in the packet, and we would be happy to speak to those if helpful. And I, I agree if the committee is interested in kind of engaging with us on our responses, it would be good thing to have the civil grand jury here for the conversation, but that's really the preference for you. Okay. Well, I think we should wait until we've heard from all the staff or people from DPW before we get into the elections. We want to get them out of here. I know they got some real work to do. And, all right, do we, as a committee, do we want to hear from controller? Okay. So I, I think this can be really, really brief. Um, oh, no, we want it to be long. Yes. <laughs> I want to be here all day. Now, look um, so there's a requirement that we respond in writing to the civil grand jury report, both to the findings and the recommendations. The table that was in your packet is our preliminary draft on that. Um, and we welcome your comments on it. We don't have to have them from you. We can complete it without you, so that's fine. I guess the good news is there are several things in it that are quite straightforward that were improvements we're making, happy to do that. The civil grand jury called out the public interest in, for example, housing affordability, equity, um, geospatial analysis, all of those things are things that we can do and will do to improve our performance reporting. Um, so there's quite a few things where we agree and are acting or happy to act on it. There's a number of other things where there's reasonable people can disagree about the architecture of these programs, and in some cases we do disagree. Um, you know, I'll only mention you know one of them, and that is our role as a primary uh, caretaker of this data. Certainly, the mayor's office you know should be a leader and is a leader. We've had different roles taken by different mayor's offices. Our our plan is that we remain a stable and continuous source of standard performance reporting. We think that's called for by the charter and it makes sense politically. The controller's office tries to do non-passionate, um, dispassionate, non-political, financial and reporting advice and this is part of the role we play there. So there's a, a disagreement in the sort of architectural finding there. It's an example. Um, the, the other things that really have to do with reaching the public, I'm, I really appreciate the commentary of the civil grand jury. Media space is really crowded these days. Um, how many of you subscribe to our Twitter feed? <laughs> SF performance scorecards. Uh, we're out there in as many modern media ways as we can think of, trying to push this data um, into more hands. And um, we update our website regularly. We are engaged in a project in the controller's office right now to look at our audiences and how we reach them and trying to reach more people. Um, you know, I, I certainly take their uh, critiques to heart and we are uh, actively working on them. Um, a lot of it has to do with crowded media space. We've made decisions on design that I think are good ones. 
Um, the AD performance measures, you know, we've had critiques ranging from way too many to way too few. Um, I don't know that the 80, 89 we have right now is the sweet spot, but the design of the scorecards is intended to be um, include-exclude. You know, look at the things you're interested in, not the things you don't. Um, and uh, we think it's, it's probably about the right level of expertise and reach right now, um, but I, I certainly appreciate the feedback that they've provided here. Again, if you have any other comments on our response, be happy to take them, um, but you, you have our draft. <laughs> I have, I have a few comments uh, on F2 response about uh, uh, the mayor's role. Uh, I was just going to suggest that the scorecard and other information could be incorporated as an appendix to the mayor's state of the city address. Uh, as the author of four state of the city addresses for past mayors, I know that that is not the vehicle for issuing the scorecard itself. But it's a handy option for a lot of people who look at it to include that as an appendix to the mayor's remarks. So I'm going to suggest that your response uh, uh, take that into account. F4 and 5, um, you suggest uh, uh, on performance indicators, I would say that. Uh, those areas uh, without goals in particular could indicate and highlight those areas where San Francisco is not at the top tier compared to other cities and where it needs to have added focus. Because right now it's a little hard to gather where, uh, where we're falling short compared to the other cities. F8 has to do with uh, the, uh, uh, the need for greater diversity in the voices that city policy, and I was going to suggest that uh, wouldn't this include the, the charter mandate of inclusivity on commission appointments. For example, uh, one of the requirements is that there be a disabled person appointed to the number of commissions. But as it happens now, among those who report that they are disabled, among all the city commissioners, there's only one person who says that they're disabled. Uh, this was a, was a problem in the past about the lack of diversity in the neighborhoods of the city. So that about 50% of all commission appointments came from District 2, uh, which is no surprise, that's where people have a lot of money and a lot of time. Uh, but it meant that in the western side of the city, there were no commissioners at all in the sunset uh, or in the region. Absolutely none. So you had no, no training ground for people to grow into a new job. Um, R2.1 is a recommendation about how the, uh, how the mayor could release the information. And, I, and the, the controller's office correctly notes that that's a recommendation that should be taken to the mayor. But there would be no reason not to suggest from the controller's office that this is when it's coming out when you might want an opportunity to have a press event and go ahead and move forward on that. R7.1 is about housing, and I would recommend that in addition to uh, the issues that are listed there, that it includes housing quality. If you take a look at DBI, for example, on their performance measures, they do uh, a measurement on uh, housing quality standards as hazards, 
for, for the residents of those not having this and different things. I think that uh, that should include those things. In a general way, I think that there could be greater distribution of, uh, of the reports uh, at meetings of supervisors supervisors in their own districts, uh, other community meetings, and I don't know if we have an expansive mailing list of all the community organizations in the city, but somebody has it, but I get them all the time. Um, and you put an alert about all of this uh, uh, every GoBot meeting agenda. Uh, and then I would just say that uh, there could be more briefings on this. Uh, when when SFGOTV provides time for people to do public service type announcements, and there could be a public service type announcement that looks at these issues <coughs> and even deals questions. So that's my background as a, a public affairs person who labored mildly hard to get the public to understand what a great job my boss was doing. And it wasn't always the I have comment. Um, I think that, that bringing up the comment of being a public affairs person is very important. A lot of these recommendations, and thank you for all of your work, it's clear that you guys spent a lot of time and and expertise. A lot of the recommendations are suggesting a way of uh, marketing the information or communicating that information. <coughs> um, I am not an expert on that, and, so, and I think that. Um, uh, it, you know, we, we should look to the experts for things. Um, but I, I see an opportunity in our survey, our upcoming survey uh, that we're going to put together that talks about um, how people feel about the bond. You know, whether the bond, you know, um, uh, the bond, uh, some some of the bond bonds have delivered uh, what the voters expected. Um, perhaps we can um, expand that a little bit. Talk about what is the best way to communicate with the voters. Um, instead of, you know, sort of making some assumptions of the, you know, the example that you gave, the uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it might, it might be an opportunity to get some more information and then use the right mechanisms to communicate, not just this information, but positive. Just to, to briefly note as well that um, we certainly appreciate the attention from the Silver and Jury on, the, on this important topic and share the same belief that they do and that you're discussing here, that we have certain products that are only as effective as they are consumed by the public because they're public-facing reporting. Um, for a little bit of kind of larger context about the performance scorecards we're talking about um, here, which we are very proud of, but do understand that they're a work in progress, and which is part of why we're in agreement with seven of the ten recommendations that the score jury is making here. Um, the government measures so many different things and reports them in so many different ways that at times our perception is that that can make it impossible for the public to comprehend and view into the government to see what's and truly kind of understand what's going on um, at a broad level. Um, this was an observation that we've made for years about our own performance measure reporting, where we track over a thousand different performance measures for city departments in, in the central system, and for many years they've reported that in kind of flat format out to the public, but how you comprehend that in terms of a public audience is difficult. We replaced that um, partially in response to a suggestion from a prior civil grand jury, actually, with what we call the uh, performance um, barometer about five years ago, which created a very simple kind of flat format 
almost a PDF of 40 different measures that we thought would be of general public interest. Um, and then this is the latest iteration of that, of that effort. We've now gone from summarizing in kind of a flat once a year PDF format of 40 to 50 key measures into something approaching 80, but in a much more dynamic format where you can drill into a measure and see history and uh, the page behind it often will take you to related links should you be interested. Um, allows you to amend date ranges and kind of view the, the parameters you're looking at and is updated much more frequently. So rather than an annual report, in many cases here we're updating this with 911 call data, answering data from last month, for example. So it's just much more flexible. Um, so this is, a, this is our latest experiment in this space. Uh, we agree that more effort and um, to push this out into the kind of public realm is a key part of our work plan. We have a marketing committee within the controller's office that's looking at kind of how do we better promote these. I've talked about some of these efforts with Mr. Bush. Um, the consumption of the public of the performance scorecards, though, is several fold higher than the benchmarking reports that it replaced in terms of web traffic, Twitter traffic, and those sorts of things. So we need to get to multiples again. But um, we do think that it's a significant improvement, not just in terms of kind of the sophistication with which we're presenting information, but the ability of the, of the public to consume it. Um, so just a, a note of thanks to Civil Engineering for the work here. Um, and again, I look forward to further engagement with, with this committee on, on this. Just further on that point, one of the things that we've done this year that didn't count before is that you have a breakdown by supervisor district. Uh, and I haven't seen anything that came out that says, Hey folks, take a look. You can look at your own supervisor's district and see what's going on. And uh, sending that to community groups in that district or to the supervisor would doubtlessly result in more people taking a look at it. The other point I would make is that uh, when I worked at Housing and Urban Development and they moved to performance measure, it was about 100 years later than it should have been, uh, they did a Red, yellow, green uh, had on each corner, whether it was meeting the objective, whether it was falling short, or whether it was a disaster. I mean, they didn't say disaster. And it seems to me that one of the things that could help on this for the public to look at is well, which are the ones that are in the red zone? Which ones are in the green zone? Where are we with the different uh, performance centers? It's, it's a little hard to scope that out on your own the way it's presented now. And that's really one of the things we've added with this situation with the scorecards is on the front page of the scorecard site for those 80 measures, we do provide yellow, red, green uh, bands for performance for those measures where a goal has been established. And there are measures here where a goal has not been established for reasons of it's new, or in some cases, what we're displaying here is something where a, measure, a goal may not make sense. Um, but those are rarities, I think. Um, so that is one of the kind of ease, ease of public consumption we're looking to. I'm sure the red and green are really distinct for those of us who are colorblind. So we will certainly do that. Mr. Chair, if I might, Mr. Chair, if I might be recognized for one moment. So if I understand this correctly, the next step in the process here is that this uh, civil grand jury's report, and thank you very much, it's obviously a lot of work and greatly appreciated. Uh, will go to both the mayor's office and the board of supervisors. It will either go with or without recommendation from this committee. 
and I would like to move that we uh, send this book, uh, forward uh, with the uh, with recommendations as outlined in the staff. And I would like to amend it to include some of the recommendations on Just procedurally, in terms of uh, where we're at in the process that it helps for the conversation, so the civil grand jury has formally submitted their reports. It goes to a number of different respondents. This one comes to us, controller's office for response, mayor, and board of supervisors. Each one has between, we have 60 days, I believe the board of supervisors has 90 days to finalize their response, um, as does the mayor. Uh, so we'll finalize our response and transmit it at the end of our very early August. So there'll then be a hearing of the report at the Government Audit and Oversight Committee of Board of Supervisors um, in August, where they'll finalize their recommendations and file them. In the case of this report, GOBAC is not a, respond a named respondent, so uh, you're not required to respond as a body. Um, in your advisory input role vis-a-vis -vis the controller's office. If you have comments you'd like us to consider as we're finalizing our report, we certainly would be open to it. Um, uh, but you're not required to do so. So it really is the committee's discretion whether you'd like to give us official things for our consideration in finalizing our report. And Mr. Chair, with that information and realizing that the report is yet to be finalized, I will draw the motion. Okay. All right. Any other comments on that? And <coughs> I, just, me, I know you all have a, other agenda items. I just want to make a couple of very quick responses for the record. Um, I, I want to say that we're not suggesting at all to take any control over the performance scorecards away from the controller's office. Um, we think it's critical that the controller's office maintains its role. And in fact, if anything, strengthens its role as an independent manager and administrator of the overall platform of the performance scorecard. So I wanted to make that clear for the record. Um, the other point I wanted to say for the record is agreeing with uh, a comment made earlier that in terms of the media space, it is crowded. There is one person in the government who's guaranteed media time, I think, the mayor. Okay. And noting that comment um, from Mr. Bush, whether it's the state of the city, whether it's other venues, um, since the mayor is accountable for the performance, and the mayor is the one who's going to get the most press attention, to us it's not so much about what the controller's office decides. It's about what the mayor's office decides, how they use that information, how that information is presented to the public, because the mayor is accountable. Just wanted to clarify. All right. Any other questions from the committee? Then further public comment. I don't know if we have to do more, but if we do, this is the chance for it. Hearing none. Yeah, no. Item seven, discussion from uh, Mr. Chairman, did you want to return to item number three at this time or proceed with item seven? I think we should proceed with item seven as we have the staffers who are sitting here for up in two hours now waiting. Item seven, presentation from Public Works regarding the 2016 health bond 
and possible action by the committee in response to such presentation. Good morning, uh, Chairman uh, Barkin, committee members. My name is Edgar Lopez. I'm Deputy Director of Public Works and City Architect. Before you hear from our staff on the first update of the 2016, 2016 public, public Health and Safety Bond, I wanted to take a minute to introduce Joe Chin, who is the program manager who is going to be leading the implementation of the bond. I know that some of you have met Joe in the past, uh, but I wanted to give you a quick introduction and background. Uh, Joe is a civil engineer who's licensed in California. He's been with the department for over 20 years. He spent nearly half of his career implementing the design and construction of the Zuckerberg uh, General Hospital, uh, where he's done outstanding work. So he's very familiar with how to advance hospital projects. He has uh, deep expertise in public health, and he's also supported by other project managers and analysts who have expertise in uh, matters related to the other parts of the bond, related to fire and Department of Homelessness. So I want to welcome Joe and. Uh, we want you also to know that he's supported by our organization at all levels. Thank you. Thanks for waiting, Bill. Good morning, uh, Chairman uh, Larkin and members of the uh, Siegel Doc Committee. Um, as I mentioned, uh, Joe Chin, Public Works uh, Program Manager. I'm honored today to be here to uh, kick off of uh, the, uh, the next uh, bond program, the 2016 Public Health and Safety Bond Program. Uh, before I start with the presentation, I just want to you know, indulge me for less than a minute. Uh, I don't want to spend to just acknowledge the client department that are here uh, and also my project management staff that are here to uh, support the bond program. You know, I have uh, Chief uh, Rivera and Chief Zanoff from the San Francisco Fire Department. Um, this is uh, G.E. Whitney and uh, Sam Dodge of the Department of Homelessness Department of Housing, as well as Mr. Mark Primo of the Department of Public Health, uh, we're not able to attend today, uh, but they do send their uh, regards. Uh, my pop and I also want to, uh, since this is going to be the first time um, presenting in front of Seagull Lock, I wanted to introduce my project management team. Uh, they include Samuel Chu and Kathleen O'Day, uh, project managers on the Anglos Deployment Facility Project, uh, Gabrielle Sorelli, uh, who you know very well from the Easter project uh, on the neighborhood fire station projects, uh, Paul Grafetis, uh project manager from the Homeless Service Sites project. Um, we're also supported by Diane Alberto and Jamin Barnes, uh, who are the analysts on the program. So I thank them for uh, joining me today in today's presentation. Uh, without further ado, um, let's Go ahead with the, uh, the first slide. Uh, the first slide is as mentioned just to show a uh, quick overview of the bond program. Uh, the entire bond authorization amount is 350 million, uh, which is uh, allocated to three departments. Uh, for the Department of Public Health, uh, we have 272 million uh, sp spread across three components. Uh, they include the Zuckerberg, San Francisco General Building 5, uh, projects um, with amount allocated of 222 million, um, and also for the uh, Southeast Health Center renovation and expansion, uh, we have 30 million allocated um, as the bond authorization, and the Community Health Center uh, component, uh, 20 million. For the uh, fire department, we have 58 million that's allocated from the uh, bond program. Uh, 
split between uh, two components. We have the endless deployment facility, which is 43.5 million, with 14.5 uh, allocated to the neighborhood fire station uh, projects. And then the uh, last um, component is the homeless service sites. And, that, and the allocation in the bond program is 20 million. And, the, um, and also to um, talk about the, um, so one of the first tasks that the team has able to complete uh, is the first bond sale uh, that was completed in uh, March of 2017 in the amount of 176 million. And the, uh, the allocation of the first bond sale is shown on the, on the uh, table. I won't go through that in detail. The uh, next slide is uh, the executive summary. Um, let me just spend a few minutes to talk about the highlights. Uh, some of the uh, specific highlights will be discussed in the subsequent slides, uh, so I won't go into detail on those. Uh, but under section one, under highlights and accomplishments, I do want to point out that our team, one of the first tasks our team has been uh, working on is the uh, selection of a, uh, what we call construction management support service uh, consultant team. Uh, that is a, a team that we intend to partner, that we want to partner with Public Works uh, to, to implement the proper cost schedule and project controls uh, to ensure the uh, successful delivery of the project. Uh, and under uh, Section 2, uh, Upcoming Milestones, I uh, just want to point out that um, currently we are uh, targeting only two bond sales for this bond program, and the schedule currently shows that uh, to be somewhere in July of 2018 uh, in amount of $178 million. Um, and under Section 3, Bond Sales and Appropriation, uh, I uh, mentioned earlier, the first bond sale amount was $176 million, of which one of the first tasks we did after the bond sale was to complete the reimbursement for pre-bond funding. Uh, so we were able to complete that in April of 2017 um, uh, very successfully. And we were able to, uh, and on, on the Department of Public Health side, um, it was uh, reimbursed for $7.1 million and $754,740 uh, for the San Francisco Fire Department. Okay. And moving on to the next slide, um, this is the uh, the next series of slides is meant to give a more detailed uh, description of each of the bond component. So the first slide is on the Zuckerberg San Francisco General Building 5 component. So the Zuckerberg component is focused on delivering projects in the existing hospital Building 5, which includes bringing the building up to current scientific standards, improvements to the existing fire life and safety systems, improvements to accommodate and consolidate clinical and outpatient services uh, from other buildings on campus and remote sites, and also to uh, implement improvements to meet accessibility requirements. Uh, just to kind of go through it, uh, just kind of uh, set the ground on the uh, bar chart that's on the you know, top of the slide. Uh, that's uh, meant to show the first bond sale versus the second bond sale. Uh, what's in green is the uh, remaining balance that's not been spent or encumbered uh, from the first bond sale. And then the, uh, the colors in blue and kind of salmon or pink uh, shows the encumbrances and our expenditures to date. 
uh, for this component. Uh, so just based on this slide, uh, approximately 8 million has been encumbered or suspended to date. Um, so with the pre-fund funding uh, for this component, the, the team has been able to hit the ground running and be able to greenlight seven of the 19 core projects. Uh, so the seven projects that have been, uh, that are currently in various phases of either design, construction, are the seismic retrofit of Building 5, uh, physiotherapy department relocation, uh, dialysis relocation, public health lab relocation, 6H search space, information technology or IT infrastructure project, and the urgent care clinic relocation. Um, of, so the seismic retrofit, uh, we call PT lab, a PT relocation, 6H search space projects are nearing design completion and we be moving into bidding phase uh, in the next months with construction starting um, by the end of the year. Uh, urgent care clinic relocation uh, is currently the only project that's in construction right now uh, for this component. And all other projects are currently in the uh, design phase. Um, and as we kind of finish the design of what we call priority one or phase one projects, uh, the team has been working in conjunction with the Department of Public Health uh, to prioritize the next series of, of core projects and uh, we'll be initiating the planning and scoping phase shortly. Uh, and some of the uh, priority two projects includes uh, psychiatric emergency service expansion, uh, specialty services relocation, and various fire alarm and mechanical improvement projects. And moving on to the Southeast Health Center uh, component. Uh, the, this component fo focuses on the renovation of the existing facility and the construction of a new addition that expands and fully integrates a family-oriented primary care model with comprehensive behavior health services. Um, and from this slide, the, um, it shows that about almost $2 million has been expended or encumbered to date. Uh, the, in terms of where we are in the projects, uh, renovation of the existing facility is currently in construction and is targeted to be completed by the end of July uh, 2017 uh, with a move-in date of uh, September of 2017 as well. Uh, the new addition uh, has uh, recently finished the planning and scoping phase and will start construction um, it will be in, in design um, for the next year with construction starting uh, around the second quarter of 2019. Uh, the next component uh, is the community health centers. This component focuses on the renovation of the existing health centers <clears throat> to allow for the integration of primary care and mental health services by adding additional counseling exam rooms and upgrading lab and nurse stations. The new health center configuration will allow for the co-location and fully integrate primary care, urgent medical and mental health care, behavior health, substance abuse services, dental and social needs services. Uh, the three priority health centers that have been identified um, today include Castro Mission, Maxine Hall, and Chinatown Public Health Center. Um, approximately one million has been expended or encumbered to date uh, for this component. Um, Cash Mission and Maxine Hall Health Center are currently in design 
uh, with construction anticipated in the second quarter of 2018. Um, this bond component also includes collaborating and leveraging PUC um, funding on some various energy efficiency projects uh, at different health centers. Uh, the funding strategy will be a 50-50 split between PUC and the bond program. Uh, one of the challenges that the, the team has encountered uh, for the health center component um, is the low seismic performance that, that was discovered after a seismic assessment uh, structure was performed during design. Uh, Maxine Hall was assigned a seismic hazard rating or SHR rating of four, which means the structure is susceptible to partial or total collapse in the event of a major earthquake. Cash remission was also assigned a SHR rating of three plus. A little bit better, but still means the structure is susceptible to major or and or partial collapse in the event of an earthquake. So given the seismic performance of the structures, uh, working with the Department of Public Health, uh, we decided to kind of add the seismic retrofit scope to both health centers. It really doesn't make sense to do the renovation and not do the seismic at the same time because it will be impacting the same staffing, same clientele, it's going to cost more. So the decide to move forward with the seismic. What that means is um, some of the funding from the Chinatown Public Health Center, which was one of the other priority uh, health, health centers, may be referred to a, uh, some of the scope may be referred to and added to a portfolio of projects in the anticipated uh, 2022 uh, bond measure. Um, and also given the experience of what we learned from Capital Mission at Maxine Hall, um, Why, it's more the team has also engaged a structural engineer uh, to start the seismic assessment of Chinatown to make sure we understand the condition, the structure, and make sure we know the full scope at this time. Okay. Okay, thank okay. you. No, no, we're okay. okay. Uh, moving on to the uh, slide seven, which is the ambulance deployment facility. Uh, this component is to replace the existing facility at 2245 Gerald Avenue uh, with a new facility at 1450 Evans Avenue to enhance the efficiency of emergency medical services and improve ambulance response times. This new facility will include an emergency services facility, ambulance and staff parking, and related site improvements. Uh, approximately well, over $3 million has been expended and encumbered to date. Uh, the project is currently in design uh, with a targeted date of April 2018 and the construction start date of August of 2018 as well. Um, uh, slide eight, uh, which is uh, the nearby fire station component. Uh, this component will rehabilitate and upgrade fire stations to provide an improved safety and healthy work environment for firefighters. Funding from this bond program will remove the six remaining host towers at fire station 6, 11, 12, 15, 21, and 38. Um, approximately 20,000, 200,000, I'm sorry, 200,000 has been expended or encumbered to date. The host power projects are currently in design uh, with construction target date of 2019. And slide number nine uh, is for the homeless service site component. This component will fund capital improvements, uh, such as addressing deferred maintenance items and tenant improvement renovations to city-owned shelters serving homeless 
families and individuals to increase capacity and resilience. Uh, three city-owned facilities or shelters have been identified to date, which include 1001 Polk, 525 5th Street, and 260 Golden Gate Avenue. 440 Turf Street uh, was also recently identified as a potential site to be converted into a homeless service resource center. The scope will include purchasing, rehabilitation, and renovation of the facility. Uh, approximately $106,000 has been expended or covered to date. All projects are currently in the planning and scoping phase. And then slide number 10, uh, this is a, a summary, a budget and expenditure summary table. Uh, just to kind of quickly go through some of the numbers. Uh, the first bond sale budget um, was 100, is 176 million. Uh, with appropriations of $129,395,172. Total uh, expenditures of $11,293,536. Encumbrances of $4,558,625. And a remaining balance of $113,543,011. Um, and that concludes my, my presentation. Uh, I'm here and the rest of my team are here uh, to address any other questions or comments from the CBO committee. Thank you. Questions from the committee? Oh, so we have a liaison meeting. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, three of us were out there and I had a communication, so we, we couldn't be four. Um, and uh, thanks to um, Mr. Butler for some, some help um, thinking about some of the challenges around this bond. Um, and thank you, Joe, for um, meeting with me, um, meeting with us. Um, I, I think that we, as a governance organization, we're going to struggle with this bond. Um, one of the reasons, well, I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of we care about whether the, whether the project is on time, on budget, and meeting voter expectations. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty in this in this bond. Um, it's sort of built into that, and I think that it's uncertainty um, around scope that DBW actually doesn't have any control over. That the business owners, the ones that they are that, um, that they are uh, trying to um, uh, meet the needs of, uh, really controls um, what the scope of this bond is. I mean, even in the, um, in your last slide, uh, you said three three places have been identified. Um, another one being considered. So, so it's a it's a moving scope. So how do you how do you, how do we govern against that? Um, I think it is um, very much important uh, important to um, understand um, the effect of the business owners on um, the ability for DPW to, to meet these needs. Um, I was on this committee um, when the Lumenahan Hospital project was happening, um, and I, I know there was a number of um, challenges. Um, uh, but certainly the, the changes of that project also, I think, has significant effect on, on what happened with that problem. Um, I don't have an answer to this problem. <laughs> um, uh, I think that as liaisons um, are, are going to liaison meetings, um, uh, that we need to, to work together. I mean, Robert um, definitely um, brought up a, a number of issues uh, or areas that we want to keep an eye on from the very beginning. Um, <coughs> But I think it's something that, that we should be uh, aware of. Did you want to add anything? Yeah, I just uh, I have a question on page four of the 
Zuckerberg page. Uh, just quick, uh, 6H surge space. That's the one. What's the surge space? Okay. Let me explain that. So 6H surge space refers to Ward 6, which is uh, Building 5, 6th floor. Uh, we're going to have a lot of these so-called surge space projects. Uh, because Building 5 is going to remain functional and operational during all the construction. So in order for us, the project to do the work, deliver the project, the capital improvements, clinical staff, doctors will need to be relocated to temporary spaces to allow the work to occur. So we are... So surge means temporary. Uh, correct. So surge is uh, meant for to either uh, account for uh, temporary use during construction, and or in some of these spaces may actually be permanent as well. Okay, thank you, Joe. I got that now. Okay. And then just on the pie chart, where we have the construction budget of 166.5 and on all the other construction, is that just the budget for the construction contract or does that include the soft costs during construction? Uh, the construction, uh, the part of the pie chart that, that's in red that shows the construction is really just the hard construction dollars, the direct okay. construction costs. All soft costs during design, everything is in project control. That's correct. That was going to be my question because like, it looked like what you had for soft costs was going to be on the order of 30% across the board here. So that includes design, which I'll put it at 10, though I guess it could be higher with this because you've got a lot of renovation going on. Renovation work going on. Um, but this is for budgetary purposes. This this number is based on experience, then? Uh, correct. So to answer your first question, yes, the uh, project control metrics we're currently using, and depending on the which component, uh, some of the smaller components with smaller projects tend to have a little bit higher percentages for project control. So they may be upwards of about maybe 40%, and those are in line with industry standards, uh, just based on the hassling like you're saying, uh, Chairman Larkin includes design, construction management, uh, inspection, and, and especially on the Zuckerberg piece, some of those projects also includes additional oversight from the, uh, what we call inspectors of record, and those are, those are especially inspectors that are required uh, by OSHPA, which is the state agency over uh, acute care facilities. Uh, so that adds another layer of um, inspection or QQC over the contractor's work. And that external, we'll call it external inspection, that, that, that comes, is included in the project control budget then. That's correct. Other questions? Um, I have two quick questions on the neighborhood fire stations. This is for uh, Seismic Coast Tower removal. So Seismic Coast Tower, they're, they're non-compliant with seismic regulations currently, which is what necessitates the removal, correct? Those towers do not meet seismic standards. Uh, let me uh, defer the question to Gabriella and she can uh, give you a more technical response. Okay. And, and that is what necessitates the removal, correct? That's correct. The existence of the host towers poses a significant seismic risk, and the removal significantly improves the seismic performance of the building. I understand. <laughs> and, and, <coughs> excuse me. And what goes into place? So, how do you dry the hoses? Well, the San Francisco Fire Department has changed their technology over time, um, and now they use a material 
which does not need to be stretched um, too dry in order to uh, prevent mold, et cetera, keep them serviceable. They do just get reeled back up uh, on the proper equipment and they can dry there uh, using modern materials. So the host towers are no longer functionally required for San Francisco Fire Department. And last question is 440 Turk. 440 Turk was a former housing authority, correct? Yes. Um, and Paul, uh, Paul DeFreitas will be here to respond to that question. Or is currently a housing authority? <coughs> that, that is correct. Uh, 440 Turk is currently uh, being studied as a uh, possible purchase. Uh, the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing is looking at purchasing the facility, renovating it into a 24-hour homeless resource center. Uh, that's currently still being negotiated and studied by the real estate department. Yeah, is that, that structure currently is unoccupied? That's there is a There's a portion of the building um, adjacent which remains as housing. The portion of the building where uh, the housing authority was is currently Thank you. Just wanted to uh, get on the uh, other community health centers. You mentioned about the uh, seismic work that's now been discovered on Maxine Hall and possibly Castro, potentially or for sure impacting Chinatown. The, the 500000 that was spent pre-bond didn't look at the seismic or, uh, or what happened there? Um, I believe during the uh, so the pre-bond dollar that was spent uh, was actually in the process of starting the the scientific assessment of the facility, uh, but unfortunately the, the bond was sized much earlier than prior to the uh, than the discovery of the seismic performance deficiencies in both health center. Uh, so therefore, unfortunately, the timing was not there. Otherwise, the the amount that would have been requested. Uh, for approval by the voter would have been a lot more than uh, essentially five million dollars a piece for total project cost for each of the health center. Okay. Other questions from the committee? No comment. Good morning, my name is Jerry Drattler. I have about three comments. The $7 million of pre-bond cost that the Department of Public Health and its commission, the business owners, sign off on this expenditure. DPW is the project construction manager and not the project sponsor. Number two, should the sign off of all pre-bond expenditures by the project sponsors be the standard procedure going forward? We're all general obligation bond projects. Number three, how does the $7 million pre-bond expenditure compare to the amount that was budgeted for pre-bond expenditures? Thank you. Other public comment? None. Is this the time to go back to the election then? Yes. Item three. Item 3, Election of Chair and Vice-Chair. Since 
emails out, and I don't know if I were to all the member, all the members of the committee, but I am not going to seek a third term as chair. The vice chair, the current vice chair, is Brenda, and she would be a candidate for chair to replace me. And I think what would the procedure be? Someone, if there are to be other nominees, this would be the time to name them. Excuse me, Ken Murray, Deputy um, City Attorney to the Chair. I, yeah, I think what we've done in the past is we will have first a discussion of the Chair, motions, motion, a motion or motions, depending on who's nominated to be Chair, of a comment on the motion and action, and then we'll leave that for the Vice Chair. So I think the first order of business here is to have a discussion about who is interested in being Chair and then take it from there. Who is interested in being chair? Don't all raise your hands at once. Well, Brenda, you are interested in that. Um, I, I, I think when we discuss this um, procedure, this, this possible action, um, Brian has um, uh, shared with me that he did not wish to seek a third term as, as chair and asked if I were interested, and I told him I felt that um, it, that since I have assisted him as vice chair for two terms, um, that I would be, um, I would be willing and open to continuing um, to play a leadership position on this. Well, with that in mind, I'll nominate you. Do we have a second? Second. Kristen, thank you. Any other nominations? No, Kevin, I'm looking here to you, but yeah, no, 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 I thought we were going to call the roll. We have to have public comment yes. on that. Jerry, got something to say. Hear nothing from Jerry. All in favor of Brenda for the next chair of the committee. Aye. 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 Okay. Any opposed? Brenda, you're walking away with it. Wow. <laughs> you got more votes than President Trump did. Think of that. Okay. Um, for vice chair, any anyone who has an interest in it, but this isn't the way of discussion. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to see if anyone's interested before I start nominating people. So, or if someone else wants to speak on behalf of another member of the committee who they think would be a good candidate. So, all right. Well, I'd like to make a comment. Um, I, um, I think that Christian Shu would be a good candidate, uh, even though she has been um, approved only early this year. I think that Christian's past experience serving this committee uh, several years ago, that has allowed her to really pick up her activity um, on day one. Um, so uh, it is my opinion that um, uh, she would make a very good uh, vice chair. Uh, she's meticulous, she's analytical, um, and she asks very reasonable questions, which I think is an asset to add to this committee in a leadership position. I'll, I'll nominate you, Kristen, if you want. If you would pick you like the position, um, if you would accept the position. I, so I have said before, I'd be reluctant to do it um, just because of the time commitment um, and just personal other commitments. However, um, if it, uh, if nobody else wants it, 
to both. Uh, just a point of order. I know the meeting is scheduled to end at noon. We can stay as late as 12.30 if that works with your schedules and we still have a quorum. Well, we just, I think at this point it's just other, other business that we have to conduct and I'm going to hand it over to Brenda. So item 8 opportunity for committee members to comment or take action on any members, any matters within the committee's jurisdiction. Uh, item A, the GOBOC liaison assignments or committee assignments to the various bonds. I think we've been circulated the current assignments and I've been told by Maura that there has been no um, objection. So there are objections to the current assignment. Um, please speak up. Okay, so the assignments will um, will remain as currently circulated. Item B, the GOBOC annual report for fiscal year 2016-2017. Uh, I think we discussed this in our last special meeting. Um, included in our packet is uh, is a copy of GOBOC report to the mayor, um, dated November 2016. So this is last year's report. So I believe we've been given this as a, an example of what our current year's report should look like. And if you can tell, um, we have included a liaison report, um, for example, San Francisco General Hospital Rebuild Program, Brian Larkin. So I believe what we should do is, um, is the following. For those of us who were assigned to a particular bond or a program in this last um, fiscal year 2016-17, um, you should each write a report similar in length to the one that was given last year. And if there are two liaisons, as in the past, um, you could work with the other party to consolidate your report or give separate reports as you wish. Uh, example. Um, 2015 affordable housing bond, Jennifer Warburg and Larry Bush. So since Jennifer Warburg has um, resigned, so you know Larry Bush would be the one to. I'd like to go to Berlin. 
September meeting, we would bring that draft back to you. There will also be a presentation from CSA that will be included uh, on the actual bonds themselves, so those will be consolidated. So by the end of August, please. Good, and you're going to send reminders, sure. Yes. Agenda sure. reminder, probably more than one. Um, I, I guess for the new members of this group, um, Perhaps they can walk us through the timing, um, because well, what Morrow said that we will have the draft, which will be brought up in our go box September meeting. At that meeting, hopefully, we will, as a as a committee, um, will finalize that report, and that will be sent to the mayor. And as an appendix or an addendum, we will attach CSA report as we did last year. So can we can you talk a little bit about remind me again the CSA attachment? Sure. Um, the CSA attachment is a summary report on all of the bonds that are under your purview. Um, it speaks to scope, schedule, and budget. There are simple charts, um, and it was partly designed to report on these matters for our office purposes. It also has to be to accommodate your purposes. So um, we like the report format. It's almost done right now. We are preparing it for this meeting, so there'll be no problem having it in a complete and issuable format by your September meeting. Um, so just thinking out loud, if you're in a mostly final draft and can get your own report done at that meeting, our report will be ready to include at that time. And the sooner it's near the end of the fiscal year, just close, the better. So that attachment should be in our um, meeting materials yes. prior to September meeting? Yes. Is there any chance to get a copy before our reports are due at the end of August? Sure, yeah, we can circulate the draft for you. Um, I think we can do it now, I'll check. Uh, but first week, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 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 I think the only other item is other matters. Um, I have no other matters to bring up. Uh, any members? Yeah, I just, again, because um, I sometimes get some confusion from Departments that work with, but quarterly reports. There, we have nine or ten bond issues right now that we're looking at. Can we expect a quarterly report on each of those for the quarter ending June 30th? It, it, do, yes, I have communicated to all of the depart respective departments that uh, a quarterly report is expected for the September packet. If we have them before the September packet, do you want them in advance? No, 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 not necessarily. No, I, no we, should, just, we should have all of them. Okay. I have one question, if I might. Um, you mentioned that the there is a pre-bond reimbursement procedure as the last item on our packet. It is from DPW and it establishes 
Uh, it, it has statements related to the purpose, policy, discussion, and procedure, and it states the current uh, authorization by which pre-bond reimbursement is reimbursed. Uh, and I don't know, is this suggesting a change? Is this this submittal? Uh, Mr. Hughes, I can address that. Uh, and I think it was included for information only, and perhaps either Kristen, maybe Robert Carlson should explain. He, he was the one that requested some clarification of this procedure um, at the meeting with uh, Joe Chin. Right. We, we had noted that uh, pre-bond under two audits, previous audits, there was some questions in the audits about the uh, documentation, though no question on it legitimacy of the cost. And in response to that, the department had said they were going to uh, develop a policy and procedure. So uh, they shared with us now the new Department of Public Works policy on this. So it's really for information. Thank you. It's seeing no other business. Um, I think we should adjourn this meeting. How about the so move. How about we need to take public comment on this last item. What's that? I'm sorry. Oh, on this. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the liaisons and the item 8. Good morning. My name is Jerry Drowler. One of the documents on the website for this meeting is pre-bond reimbursement procedure. My comments regarding this proposed procedure are the same comments that I made regarding the San Francisco 2016 public health bond. DPW is the contract for the construction manager and not the project sponsor. Why does the proposed pre-bond reimbursement procedure not include a review and sign-off of pre-bond expenditures by the department and commission or the project sponsor? This is one of the recommendations that came from the Cummings audit was referred to, and two, why is there not a financial report prepared for pre-bond expenditures for the actual pre-bond expenditure versus the budgeted pre-bond expenditures are reported and signed off by the sponsoring department and commission. Thank you. Thank you, seeing no other public comment. Um, Let's adjourn the again.